Protein Industries Canada announced its 20th project last week. Bill Gruel is CEO. So this is an $8 million announcement we uh, started yesterday with a company based out of Winnipeg called Merit Functional Foods. Uh, the project is looking at three different areas of further processing to enhance the functionality of the protein isolates that they're producing in their facility in Winnipeg. And, and those protein isolates and, and the enhanced functionality will be used by three different consumer packaged goods companies for the development of new product lines. It's really exciting to have those consumer packaged goods companies. One of them is Daya Foods, company based out of Vancouver, B.C. You might see them in the grocery store. They do plant-based cheeses and dairy alternatives. Another is the Winning Combination. They're a company based out of Manitoba that does uh, new nutrition and high-end quality foods. And finally, Grand River Foods, which is another uh, company based out of uh, British Columbia, looking at different products that they'll be producing from those protein concentrates and isolates. Talk about the the ingredients that will be used here. Yeah, so Merit's got some really interesting technology, but they're, what's really good about them is that they're using Western Canadian-produced ingredients, canola and, and peas. And so, you know, canola, generally the protein for that is being used in the dairy sector, and so this is one of the few... Uh, processing facilities that's using this this resource for consumer packaged goods for health uh, for human food consumption, which is really great because at the end of the day, canola is actually Canada's largest protein crop. So if we can find new uses for that in terms of human food, that's a really good day for the Western Canadian economy. This is the the twentieth project. Your thoughts on the, on reaching that milestone? Yeah, it's been pretty exciting for us. We've got a project bank now, uh, an investment portfolio, $375 million. And so, you know, it's just uh, just a testament to the industry members, the optimism that exists around the development of Canada's plant-based food, feed, and ingredient sector. And, uh, you know, it's been really great. i got to tip my hat to the staff at Protein Industries Canada. They do, they do phenomenal work and, and to our partners for helping us get to that 20th project. That was Bill Gruel, CEO with Protein Industries Canada. It could become tougher over the next few decades to grow the common bean on the Canadian prairies. To discuss why and what can be done, Golden West Daniel McElroy spoke with Dr. Kirsten Bett from the University of Saskatchewan. One of the issues with common bean is it's... uh well, there's two things. One, it's, it's a subtropical legume, so growing it in Saskatchewan or anywhere this far north is uh, tricky because, uh, first of all, it doesn't like our long days and hates, hates, hates cold temperatures, absolutely hates cold temperatures. And so many years ago, we were um, interested in, in working with temporary bean because they don't mind cold temperatures, we discovered, but... More interestingly, um, tepary beans are also incredibly heat um, tolerant as well and drought tolerant. In fact, they don't um, they don't really like being grown under irrigated conditions. So unlike common bean where we would tend to try to keep them under irrigation, especially in a year like this, irrigation is important. Um, tepary beans offer... Uh, an option uh, for if you're in dryland agriculture and, and water is going to become a problem. And so for this area, I, I don't suppose with what that you've just said that there is much common bean grown, but potentially with some of the research you're doing into learning how to mix traits between temporary beans and common beans, that that could become possible. 
Right. So one of the things we were in, we've been interested in for many years now has been well, what if you can cross uh, tepary beans with common beans, which is it's not trivial. It's not super easy because they are completely different species, but it is possible, and we've done it. Um, what if you could do that and then check the offspring and see if any of them had managed to uh, capture some of the stress tolerance that's available from the tepary bean genome, um, but put it in something that's more familiar to us as a, as a common bean. The struggle with that is it's not, uh, you know, it's not a single gene. It's not like disease resistance where you can generally grab one gene out of a, out of a wild relative and, and insert it and, and you're good to go. It's, you know, it's a whole series of different ways of, it turns out anyway, and the work that we've done with Michigan shows that it, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Mixing between two completely different species, what kind of, is that gene editing software or, or, or more conventional breeding techniques, cross-pollination, yeah, no, things like that? It, it's completely normal. Um, well, completely normal. It's, you start with a cross like you would normally, um, but you do have to go in and rescue the the embryos um, for the first couple of generations because it's just it, it's a wide what we call a wide cross. They're sort of incompatible, but with a bit of magic in the lab, and it's not GMO. Don't go there. Um, it you can manage to encourage the wee embryos to survive, and then you get a plant, and you can cross back and eventually you can recover enough of the common bean genome that that they're perfectly normal um, in terms of fully fertile and you will get seed off of them again. The trouble is that in getting to that point you've had to dilute the amount of tepary genome that's in in the offspring and so when you're talking about a multigenic trait that gets a little bit tricky to try and get it all into one package. So potentially this could be an, an extremely long process, and in the end, yeah. it's, it's hard to say whether you'll end up with enough of that um, uh, temporary gene to make a difference? Yeah, exactly. We've been looking at the offspring for the past few years, uh, and yeah, you do get a little bit uh, of an increase in tolerance to some stresses, but I've been operating off not a whole ton of money on this, and so it's been you know, sort of a side project for years. One thing that I am interested in is, well, seeing as how it is so complicated, maybe it makes more sense to fix peppery bean, as it were, and make it a crop instead of trying to force common bean to accept stress. Why don't we try and turn peppery bean, which is already stress tolerant, into something more recognizable um, and, and a commercial entity and and they are actually a domesticated crop people have been eating them for millennia in north america as a crop it just didn't take off the same way the common beans did um, for whatever reason that was dr kirsten bett from the university of saskatchewan chatting with golden west reporter daniel mcadoro that's it for the prairie egg wire for today if you have any questions or opinions to share send them to us by email the farm desk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network.